help us to stand. Father, thank you for your servant. Uh, the entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. I pray the Lord King of glory, you will ignite his heart and let your word flow like rivers of living water through him this morning. We ask that we will not hear him, we will hear you. We ask that everyone that has come into this place will go with a rhema word, a word that will meet their need, a word that will not just only bless us, but will change us. Thank you, Father, for setting his uh, uh, the words of his mouth on fire. That every shaft, everything that is standing on the way, your word will come like a hammer to break them and burn them. That at the end, we say of a truth we've heard from God. Thank you, Father. We give you the praise for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Welcome to church, everybody. How are you doing? I have two requests. When I go to heaven, I'll ask the Lord Jesus Christ to allow Pastor Kogi and the move to lead one chorus. And then I will turn to the Father and say, Father, I have one more request. I'm just requesting that you ask Pastor Zeno to pray for the congregation because I have never heard Pastor Zeno pray in such English. Yo! The book of Romans, chapter 12. Is somebody happy to be in church? Do we have our statement of belief somewhere? So happy to see each and every one of you. The church is growing. The church is increasing. We are taking over Ruaka. We are just getting ready to begin our discipleship program. We're getting ready to start our small groups, and God is good. Amen? All right. I'd request us to stand on our feet. Hold your Bible with your right hand like you have an agenda with God this afternoon, or is it still morning? Let's go. I am a winner. My faith is built on God's word. Nothing is impossible from this moment on. And I am after my... Now, that's a good rehearsal. We have visitors in the house. Normally, when visitors would come to my parents' house, that's when the good china would come out. And you'd be like, wait a minute, mom, where did that come from? Somebody said, mgeni njo mwenyeji aponi. So I'd request us to say that one more time with a bit of conviction. This is our prayer to God every Sunday, that indeed we shall be a people of victory and, and purpose. So say it with more oomph. Say it with what? Okay, three, two, one, let's go. I am a winner and not a loser. Come on, let's go. I'm not a victim. To reflect what God says about me. My faith is built on God's word. I can do all that God says I can do. For I am a new breed, a remnant. Purpose, come on, give a praise to our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are clapping, clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You may have your seats. Somebody said, sit on your enemies. Sit on your troubles. Sit on your throne. Amen. I love church so much because there is so much strength. You know, the week can be as difficult as it wants to, to be. 
But when I come to church, I find help. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Please find me at Romans chapter 12. We'll be reading verse 1, 2, and 3. I just want to make an announcement here that on the 14th of next month, in the afternoon, we're having our maiden worship experience. I said we're having our maiden worship experience. Hallelujah. Start inviting your friends, inviting your uh, neighbors, inviting everybody because the house is going to go down. We will put up all the flaps and remove all the pillars except the ones holding the roof because I don't know if we have enough space at our villa ranch for that. The second thing is that we are starting small groups and we will be reaching out to some of us to join us as we begin to set up the vision of God to Ruaka. So we will, reach, we, we will be reaching out to you via SMS, via WhatsApp, via Instagram, via Vimeo, via YouTube. We are with it via Snapchat, via the other one for people dancing all the time. What is that called? Via TikTok, via Telegram somebody via television. We're coming to a TV station near you. I'm just having fun, man. All right, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. said, And be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. Tell your neighbor, renew your mind. Angels won't do it. Your pastor won't do it. Praying won't cut it. It is not something for being laid on on hands. You know, I have a prayer request. I'm praying that my mind will be renewed. It says, renew your mind. Renew your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul taught us that every time we receive God's word, we have come to a place of four things. And that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. says that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. God's word is easy to he that desires to receive it. God's word is easy. That even a child can know it. That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. The consecrated words of Adonai. These are not mere words. It's not, you know, we didn't just come to church to hear careless words, but these are words that Adonai has purposed for our destiny and for our life. He says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise. That every time we expose our spirit, yes, every time we expose our mind to the hearing of God's wise, there, there, is, a, there is an impartation of wisdom. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. He says, for all scripture is breathed of God. Adonai's words carry his spirit. 
when you receive his word. You're not receiving the words of men, but you're receiving the words of God. We are at a place where anything can happen. He says, for all scripture is breathed of God, is profitable for doctrine, for doctrine, for doctrine. God is careful enough that he's saying, I want your doctrine to be correct. One scholar said, because I know where your mind is, one scholar said in examining doctrine, he said that the centrality of doctrine is not the geniusness or comprehensiveness of the logic of man but it is the revelation of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That doctrine that focuses on our Lord Jesus Christ is what he is speaking about. He says that it is profitable to reveal to you Jesus Christ. Paul said, when I come among you, I, I determine to know nothing among you, but I preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says this scripture is profitable to reveal our Lord Jesus Christ. That every time the word is opened, we see Jesus. That the object of our faith is not a teaching, but the object of our faith is a person. Faith does not grab things. Faith grabs a person, Jesus Christ. He says that this word is profitable for doctrine. Then he says that this, this, doc, this word is profitable for correction. And I'm glad because this afternoon you will be offended. Why? Because God will correct you. There are attitudes that must be corrected. There are things in our lives that must be corrected. There is a certain way that we must walk. We are not them that just walk anyhow. In fact, Solomon said that there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is destruction. When we come to church, we have come to receive instruction. We have come to receive instruction. And I'm speaking like this because our hearts have to be right. Our mind must carry the right expectation. He said that this gospel is profitable for rebuke, number three. That we're able to find correction. Praise the Lord. And that the pulpit will reveal to you Jesus Christ. And that the pulpit might offend you. And that the pulpit will rebuke you. But the end is this. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. He says that this word is profitable for training. So the church is the training ground of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we expose ourselves to God's word, we receive training unto righteousness. Because God is saying there is a work that you must do. And I want to equip you to do that job. When I call you to be a good husband, I am equipping you to be a good husband. When I call you to be a good boss, I am equipping you to be a good, to be a good boss. Culture is not our standard. God's word is our standard. And Father, we give you the praise. Thank you because as we enter into your word this afternoon, oh God, you're causing us to receive doctrine in the name of Jesus. You're causing us to receive reproof in the name of Jesus. You're causing us to receive rebuke, oh God, that where we have missed the mark, that Lord, by your word today, we pray that thou shalt bring us back in the name of Jesus. That by your word this afternoon, oh God, we are receiving instruction, oh God. Instruction 
to destiny. Thank you that you are dealing with confusion in our midst. The Lord, by your instruction, you are causing us to know the way that we should go. That we will not be them that walk, oh God, away from the path that leads to life eternal. Thank you, Father, because as we get into your word today, you are causing us to be established in your word. You are causing this church, Father, to be mighty in the scriptures. That as it was said of your servant, Apollo, that Lord, Ruach Rivers Church will be mighty in the scriptures. That this church, oh God, will be mighty in your word. That we shall find our strength in your word, oh God. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Well, I'm excited to get into Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We did verse 1 last week. And just for the sake of summary, I'd like to highlight two, three things uh, so that we can get our mind right. What was happening here is that Jesus has just ascended. And those that were expected to receive him have been denying him. And there is tension between Jews and Gentiles. And what is happening now is that the Jews have literally ostracized the Gentiles and they are not talking to them. They are not speaking to them. They are not eating with them. In fact, the, gen the, the Jews would call Gentiles the Gentile dogs. Ain't it interesting that you will take your time to pray for people and take your time to fast for people and trust God for the harvest, but yet call the unbeliever the Gentile dog. But God, by his grace, where he says that the grace of God has appeared unto all men, overshoots the ostracizing of the Jews and begin to move among the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are getting born again and the Gentiles are being filled of the Spirit of God and they are now exercising the giftings of God. That the gospel was not necessarily integrating but the gospel was now migrating because sometimes where you expect the move of God is not where you will see it because God's move goes where it is accepted. And the Gentiles were open to receive the move of God. It is here that Paul begins to write to the Jews and he writes to the Gentiles and he calls both of them Gentiles. No, he calls both of them, sorry. He calls both of them brethren. And one scholar said that the olive tree, both the natural branches and the engrafted branches have become one. And Paul begins to instruct them now and says that I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a sacrifice. And the scripture now is calling them to a place of moving from belief into behavior. That doctrine must become duty. That our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ requires reciprocity. That there is no believing without behavioral change. That there is no saying amen without receiving duty. That God requires a certain responsibility. And there is now a positioning of the believer as one that presents offering unto God. That he now calls us priests. And we saw how that in the Old Testament, what would happen is once a year, the priest would show up with the dove and some would come up with the lamb and they would sacrifice something unto God. And the migration of that thought is at some point now we see that not only is the priest offering a sacrifice, but we are introduced to another priest who not only offers the sacrifice, but he is the sacrifice himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So when Paul says, I beseech you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, what he's really saying is, I want you to be like Jesus. I want you not only to present a sacrifice that is apart from you, but I want you to present a sacrifice that is you. And it is here that the New Testament life is anchored. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nonetheless, I live, yet not I. The Christ that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. That the New Testament believer is the sacrifice. Let me just give you a second to, to think about that. That the, that, the, that the sacrifice in the New Testament is not anything else other than you. That God is calling us to a place where our lives are his. Remember, he said, that I have bought you with a price. Apultrosis. I have bought you with a price. We belong to him. So there is now a graduation of thought that first, that, you know, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And we saw that in the altar, there was a brazen, in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle of God, there was a brazen altar. And in that altar, the sacrifice was tied. And that there was, there was a restriction of movement. God is saying that living, presenting your life as a living sacrifice is living a restrained life. And the true mark of a believer is what restrains you. Are you a city without walls? God is calling us. You know, uh, the word walls, if you've Googled on, on Facebook, you'll be shocked with what people think about walls. But God is calling us to have some walls. <laughs> Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, have some walls, have some walls. Have some walls. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. That we have been called to have some walls. We are not living a restrained life. We are not living as a city without walls. God is saying that there has to be walls. Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that what association is there between the temple of God and the temple of idols. Then he says, be ye separate from them. One Greek author said that the word separate there means build a wall. That there has to be a difference between the children of God and the children of light. And now he says, it is here that he says, be not conformed to the patterns of this world. There is no way on earth that you can walk the restrained line and live a life that is restrained by the word of God and restrained by the wisdom of God and restrained by the culture of heaven and conform. When he looks at culture, he says that the child of God must be the one forming culture. That when it comes to the world, God is saying, I don't want you to conform to the mold, but I want you to break the mold and transform your mind and transform your mind. But true transformation begins with sacrifice. Before you offer your life as a living sacrifice, there can be no transformation. The change that you desire to see in your life, that progress that you're pursuing so much, requires sacrifice. There is no progress anywhere on earth without sacrifice. And God is calling us to a place where we are able to square our shoulders and count the cost for the life that he has called us to live. He says, which among you, desiring to build a house, does not first sit down and count the cost. You know, we are 
We find ourselves in meetings where people are casting vision. We find ourselves in meetings where people are discussing, and it's always very exciting. And you know, and a boyfriend, as, as Elvis was saying, and as Pastor Elvis was saying, a boyfriend will cast a vision to their girlfriend. A husband will cast the vision to their wives, and a businessman will cast vision to their employees, and so on and so forth. But where is the cost-casting meetings? Are we, are we coming to a place where we are able also to sit down and to begin to count the cost? He says that for you to transform, there has to be a sacrifice. That before you present your body as a living sacrifice, you cannot talk about not conforming to the world, and you cannot talk about not uh, you cannot talk about being transformed. God is saying that don't pray about culture. I want you to live a life of sacrifice. Then you will break the mold. That in order for us to break the mold of the defeatist culture that is here today, it, it does not require prayer. It requires a restrained life. That we are able, listen, let me give an example. You are able to break the culture when somebody offers you a bribe and you say, where I come from, we don't take bribes. That's how you break the culture. And that is not a mind statement. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about, being in the marketplace. That is a dead man talking. That before I'm able to see Jesus is my only source, there is always a temptation to want to take a shortcut. says there is a connection between you living the life I've called you to live and sacrifice. You want to break the culture, you want to break the cultural norm, you must lead a restrained life. And then that is what produces trance. Formation. He uses a Greek word here, metamorpho. And metamorpho means a sudden change. That at once it was an egg. Then it was caterpillar. Then it was pupa. And now it is butterfly. That when it comes to the life of the believer, it is not a progressive curve. That you know, I, 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 pray, I prayed five minutes yesterday, today let me just move to ten minutes. No, that there is a stochastic movement. That God can all of a sudden cause a shift. It is important that we understand metamorphosis is not improvement. It is not that I was able to lift, uh, trust me, I used to go to the gym. It is not that I used to lift uh, 100 kilos and now I'm, you know, somebody said, how can you give a gym example? Oh, yes, we were there, you know. So it's not like you used to lift 100 kilos, now you lift 105. You know, progressive. And you want to measure and you want to see the steps. Somebody said, take it a day at a time. No, God is saying that there is a change that can happen that, does, that will produce somebody that you never knew before. That when the next time you look yourself in the mirror, somebody will ask, who are you? Have you ever had your friends say, tell you, who have you become? You're shocked. Like, I don't see you. I don't know who you are anymore. What is it that you are eating? Have you noticed? Immediately they, they, they attain it or they say it is, must be diet related. That you have changed so much because of what you have consumed. What, tell your neighbor, sacrifice. Metamorphosis. God is saying that you can be seeing a caterpillar now, but there is a butterfly in you. 
I digress. And God sometimes calls us to those relationships that appeal to uh, the butterfly in us more than the caterpillar in us. Have you ever been to a place where people are just talking about retrogression and the economy is bad and you know everything is not working and the pandemic has killed us all and the future is bleak and we're getting into the election. Son, Balat, shut up. How about tomorrow will be better? How about we will not, things will not always be like this? How about there is a God in heaven? How about I am moving forward? How about that? Bonus if you that there is a caterpillar in us and that there is a butterfly in us. What it takes is transformation. It's a change of form. There is a temptation to quickly move on, but I must tear here a little bit because one author said that to transform a man takes a reconfiguration of thought and a remodeling of behavior. That transformation is not easy. Paul said that put off the old man and put on the new man that is renewed in our Lord Jesus Christ. The challenge is that the old man won't die. I don't know who I'm talking to. That the old man won't, li won't leave you alone. That the old man won't give you some peace to put on the new man, he says. He says it is not the Holy Spirit that will put on the new man. He says, you put on the new man. Baby, Romans chapter 12 is about responsibility. We're on responsibility grace now. We are now on responsibility grace. Thank God that he carries us and he dances over us and we are the apple of his eyes and he has committed angels around and about us but he has also given us responsibility. Put off the old man. One other said that the challenge of putting off the old man sometimes requires for you to kick out a bedmate that has been good to you but not good for you. One preacher said that it is very difficult to cast out a demon that you slept with. That sometimes the shackles that hold us from achieving destiny are shackles we are in love with. It becomes difficult because it is not an enemy. That the challenge we are fighting, the challenge that is hindering us from walking in purpose is not a nemesis but a close friend. That it is an addiction that is pleasant to you. It's an addiction. It is a flaw in your life that you are comfortable around with. And sometimes it has commingled so much with your life that when God makes you free, he has to turn back and heal you from the psychological stress of having to let go. That the challenge is so mingled with who you are that even the thought of victory is cast in your mind because it is not something you thought you needed victory over. And God is saying, transform your mind. Transform your mind. The old man has refused to die and it takes courage because what you have embraced as your normal, what you have embraced as your way of life, what you have accepted as what it means to be a Christian, God is challenging. 
and he's saying there's a requirement of freedom and that freedom takes your decision. He said, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. He said, be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That any yoke that is in our lives right now are there by our permission. Transform your mind. That any yoke that is in our neck right now is there by our permission. Transform your mind. Anything that you have called weakness. Oh, I'm trusting God for deliverance. God has already delivered us. But we must transform our mind. And the progression is this. That in order for you to transform your mind, then your mind must succeed above every desire that has previously led you. That your mind must supersede that which we have tightened, with that which we have holden close to our hearts and close to our lives. That for us to be able to overcome, to reconfigure our life, then our mind must supersede that which we have thought as normal. One author said that in order for us to come to a place where we are able to transform, then we have to begin to break the influence of the flesh on the mind. That sometimes we are called to live not from the heart, but we are called to live from the mind. That God is saying, I want you to order your life not after what you feel, but after what is facts in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you can order your life beyond what you feel. Somebody say, you know, I don't just feel like it today. I don't, I don't feel like ministering today. I don't, I don't feel like being a good wife. I don't, I'm not in the mood. Or let's do it next week because I'm not in the mood right now. I'm not, feel, I'm not feeling it. And every time you allow your emotions to guide you, you forfeit the blessing of God. And the breakthrough of God for the next level. Every next level requires a different you. And God is saying, come up and renew your mind. He says and that the mind must proceed and overcome the desires of the flesh. Because the influence of the flesh is that the flesh likes pleasures. And the challenge of pleasures is that pleasures are temporary. Because your pleasure will want this. And after this is done, will want another. And after another is done, it will want another. And you find yourself at a place where you are perpetually in a battle because you have allowed your life not to be led by the absolute truth of God in your mind but you have allowed yourself to be led by the flesh and the flesh is not satisfied and the flesh is pressing on your mind and convincing you that you are not good enough and the flesh is talking and he's saying that you know very well you need that you can pray all you want, but after you're finished praying, come, let us continue this life as is. After all, the grace of God is sufficient. God punish the devil. The flesh is always seeking something to stimulate it. But what? But that stimulation cannot last. So it's always pulling and always seeking. And, and what was begun as a flaw becomes an addiction then it becomes an obsession. Something that took you five minutes to get into takes you 15 years to get out of. Transform your mind. Fight for your mind. Transform your mind. It is here that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 that put on the whole armor of God 
says, put on the whole armor of God and take the helmet of salvation. How important is it to protect your mind? Because for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He says, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, imagination, and every knowledge that exalts itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The text calls the attacks of Satan imaginations. That Satan does not attack you physically, but he attacks you in your mind. That he attacks you with imagination. He attacks you with what ifs and what may be and maybes. That somebody will go into bed and wake up in the morning and you didn't sleep. You might have slept, but you didn't rest. Because the whole night you have been dealing with what if. And you have been dealing with, you know, I heard something. And you have been dealing with if so. And you have been dealing with maybes. And you have been projecting, you know, the imaginations of Satan in your, in, in your mind. And you're now wrestling. There is a helmet of salvation that will protect your mind. The battle is against what you know about God. The battle, it attacks your knowledge of God. That's where the battle is. And God is saying that you cannot come to a mind fight with the heart. Let me say that again. You cannot come to a mind fight with the heart. He says the battle is against what you know about God, not what you feel. That is why difficult to work with such people. It's very hard. Because when I criticize you, I'm not, when I criticize your work, I'm not criticizing you. And when I'm not able to deal and to babysit your emotions, we need to get the work done and we fire you. Yo, tell your neighbor, change your mind. Change your mind. Change your, transform your mind. That the battle is against what you know about God. Somebody said, I know I'm healed, but my reality is not so. I know I am delivered, but the reality is not so. I know that God is fighting for me, pushing back the darkness, but the reality is contrary. I know that the hand of God is on this family, but there are imaginations, and there will be imaginations that we got to deal with. There is a helmet. Tell your neighbor, there is a helmet of salvation. It is with the mind. It is with the mind. Romans chapter 7. It is with the mind that we serve God. Have you noticed that it is very difficult to have a leadership conversation with people who are emotional? You can't, have, you can't talk about loyalty with people who are emotional. One of the requirements or one of the assumptions of people who are in the army is that you have ceased to entangled with yourself with civilian matters. That God is saying, if you're going to walk in purpose, I need your heart to take a back seat. Because true decisions that take your life and move forward, if you're going to enter the next level of your craft, if you're going to enter the next level of your career, if you're going to take your marriage to the next level, it's going to take decision. And it's going to take careful thought. It's going to take accurate analysis of God's word and what God says and enforcement of the same Emotions notwithstanding. How I feel has nothing to do with it. Let me stay there a little bit. Let me stay there. Let me stay there a little bit. How I feel 
has nothing to do with it. Let me give you an example. If you're working for KCB Bank, you can't wake up on Monday morning and say, you know, boss, I don't feel like it. Because there is consequence. You will take a salary serious, but you will not take destiny serious. Oh, gosh. Will you give offering, really? Oh, my goodness. That I can take salary seriously. That I can take the threat of man seriously. But I will not take destiny seriously. He said that with the mind I serve God. With the mind I serve God. David said something interesting. That thou anointest my cup. says thou anointest my head with oil. Then my cup runneth over. A scholar said that the cup that runneth over is only receiving a residue of that which has already touched the head. Head talks of government. Head talks of leadership. And sometimes most of us are living a headless life. A life without government. That if I'm going to walk in purpose, if I'm going to live the life God has called me to live, there has to be government in my body. There has to be government in my life. My, thou anointest my head with oil. Before the oil touches your head, then the cup cannot be filled. That the cup can only run over because the anointing has touched my mind. That my mind, that my mind has been touched. And we will not come to church and leave our mind in the parking. We will come with it into worship. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, transform your mind. Come on, tell the other one, transform your mind. There is a helmet of salvation. The book of 1 Samuel talks about the prophet of God, and he says that in those days, the word of God had ceased, and there were no open visions, and, the, and God was not speaking. And Hophni and Phinehas were running amok. And they were, as it were, literally turning the church upside down. And there was immorality in the house of God. And Hophni and Phinehas were, somebody said, they were running through the house of God like foxes would run through chicken. It was a, it was a crazy mess. And ultimately, they went into battle. And they were defeated. And news came back to the prophet of God. But before that could even happen is, is that the prophet could not address his own son because of emotions. That in his head he knew this is not right. He did not participate in it. He did not affirm it. But by not addressing it, he agreed with it. And they went for battle. And they were defeated. And the news came. And when the news came, he was told that Hophni is dead. And he took it. And Phinehas is dead. And he took it. Then he was told that the glory of God, the Ichabod of God, the Ark of the Covenant has been seized. And emotions took over. He could not take it anymore. And he fell backwards and broke his neck. One scholar said that his head was taken off by the mistake of putting emotion over mind transformation. One as if we were, the glory will come 
but the glory will not come to a headless church. The glory will not come to a mindless church. God is calling us this afternoon to a place where we shall transform, shall transform our mind. And this is important because if you can get it to your mind, then you can get it to your life. The transformation that God is talking about is inside out. We are not in the business of dressing a Christmas tree. When you come to church, we are not putting, you know, lights and, 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 and fake snow and glitters. He's saying that there's a transformation that comes from the inside out. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You can hardly go beyond your thoughts. The transformation, the life that God has called us for, we can hardly go beyond our thoughts. And during slavery time, what would happen is that they would say, teach the slaves everything, but do not allow them to know how to read. Because if they can get freedom in their mind, there is no shackles on earth that can hold them back. Transform your mind. Break your cages. Break the culture. Do not conform to the culture of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God is calling us today to renew our mind. I want us to take the next two, three minutes. I'd invite the move worship. I'd invite us to stand and let us just take some time to pray because we are at Rivers Church is a praying church. I want to give us two prayer points. The first one is that God will give us grace to begin to deal with the shackles in our lives. That where emotion is not needed, he will give us the grace to move from emotion to intellect. That he shall move from emotion to our minds. That we know that we shall begin to walk in the things that we know. Let us rise on our feet and take two, three minutes and just trust God that God is releasing a grace. Just open your mouth and say, Father, here I am. Transformation, transformation, transformation. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you are dealing even with our emotions. And you're causing us, oh God, to go beyond our emotions and our feelings, even in our worship to you, in our service to you, in the name of Jesus, that our commitment is not driven by what we feel, but our commitment shall be driven by the revelation of, of the word of God, that we are not driven by what we experience in our emotion, but we shall be driven by the word of God in the name of Jesus. Somebody lift up your voice and say, I am driven by the word of God. I am driven by the wisdom of God. I am driven by the principles of God. I am driven by the wisdom of God. I am not, I am not driven by what I see. I am not driven by what I feel. But I am driven by the word of God. Thank you, Father, because you are raising people in this place. You are raising people in this place. Lord, you are raising a church here in Ruaka, Nairobi, oh God, that will trust you for your word and will walk in your word in the name of Jesus that you shall cause us to be mighty in the scriptures. In the name of Jesus, that every shackle that has held us back is broken today. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice, somebody, and just say, oh God, I come unto you this afternoon, oh Lord, and I pray that your touch shall indeed bring a difference, that there shall be transformation, that 
that is visible, that there shall be fruit that will last in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to pray, oh God, this afternoon for our lives in our workplace, oh God. Let there be a transformation that is visible, that men will say, indeed, who are you? We pray and pray and pray today, Father, that there shall be transformation, healing in our marriages, oh God, that you shall cause wife to turn to husband and husband to turn to wife in the name of Jesus. Let there be transformation. We pray, oh God, that Father Lord, your grace shall even be sufficient. Your mercy shall visit us in our businesses, Father, that Father Lord, you shall cause us Oh God, to begin to move even at our place of income in the marketplace in the name of Jesus. That transformation will find us there and we will not conform to the patterns of this world but indeed we shall be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Lord, you have said in your word that as a man thinketh in his heart so is he. So we want to commit every thought unto you oh God that indeed Lord you shall guide and guard our thoughts in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. Bless your name. One more prayer point. Paul said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God for the pulling down of imaginations. Pulling down. Imaginations are for pulling down. For the pulling down of every knowledge that exalts itself above the knowledge of Jesus. I want us to pray today that we are pulling down every imagination that has tormented us. Every imagination. Every imagination. Image formations. Every imagination that has tormented us every knowledge that has lifted itself against the knowledge of God in our life. Somebody lift up your voice now and just say, oh God, I pull down. If you feel like you have no words to pray, use mine. I pull down. I pull down every thought that has exalted itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pull down. I pull down every imagination. Every imagination. Every imagination. Somebody lift up your voice now. Every imagination that has, has, that has tormented me at night. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we refuse today imaginations of failure. Lord, we refuse today, oh God, imaginations of divorce. Lord, we refuse today, oh God, imaginations that our lives are done. We refuse today, oh Lord, every imagination of discouragement. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pull down every thought that has exalted itself above the name of Jesus. Every thought that has exalted itself above the knowledge of our God, we pull it down. Even concerning this nation, we pull it down, we pull it down, we pull it down. We decree and declare, Father, by your grace, that indeed you are causing our mind to be renewed. In the name of Jesus, Somebody just pray some more, tarry some more, tarry some more, push some more, push a little bit, push a little bit, push a little bit. There has to be life change. Our lives must change. Thank you, Father, that you are here. You are here to meet us, oh God. You came to meet us in the name of Jesus. Lord, I call upon you this afternoon, and I pray that, Father, oh God, thou shalt look upon us, oh Jesus, that thou shalt look unto Rivers Church and cause our families to be transformed in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father, that we are getting the victory in the mind. Thank you that we are getting the victory in the mind. Thank you that we are getting the victory in the mind. Thank you that we are getting the victory in the mind. Thank you, Father. We receive the victory. We receive the victory. We receive the victory. Every yoke is broken. Every yoke is broken. Every yoke is broken. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you told us to stand free in the liberty wherewith you have made us. And today we decree and declare that, Lord, we are walking in the freedom of God. We are walking in the freedom of God. In the name of Jesus. And I heard God say that deliverance is in our house today. He is delivering us from every sin that easily entangles, every thought that has tormented us, imaginations that our marriages will not work, imaginations that our businesses will collapse, imaginations that the nation will be consumed in tribalism. They are all pulled down, defeated. God's word reigns supreme. And God just sent me to declare a word of victory in this sanctuary. I said God sent me to declare a word of victory in this sanctuary this afternoon. Do you receive it? If you are clapping, clap for Jesus. Come on, somebody. If you are clapping, clap for Jesus. Yes! Come on, if you are clapping, clap. Come on, come on, clap, 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 clap. Yes! Oh, yes.
church every high thing must come down every high thing must come down Jesus is overcoming every high thing must come down every stronghold must be broken in the name of Jesus just lift up your voice one more time let's go every high thing must come down every high thing must come down this week every high thing must come down yeah! every high thing must come down every high thing must come down Father, we receive it today. We receive it in our minds. We receive it in our families. Every high thing must come down in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are walking out of this sanctuary free. And the Lord sent me for you. You are walking out of this place victorious. This week you will see the victory. I said this week you will see the victory. Let's go.
Amen and amen and amen.